Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Sam Villani, third generation firefighter with 32 years of career and volunteer fire experience. Currently a battalion chief with Montgomery Fire and Rescue in Maryland who climbed through the ranks. Sam is a battalion chief who wants to be around his guys and gals in which he serves, making sure they have not only what they need to succeed within their fire service careers, but also within themselves on a personal level. Mental health is a huge priority for Sam, and he isn't afraid to talk about it. With that, I present Mr. Sam Villani. My name is Sam Villani. Uh, I'm a battalion chief of Montgomery County Fire Rescue. I've uh, been in the fire service for 32 years, um, 36 counting my, my cadet time. I grew up in Ocean City, Maryland, third generation firefighter in the Ocean City Volunteer Fire Company. I, I, I joke, but it's kind of serious. The Ocean City Volunteer Fire Company raised me. And, uh, you know, my earliest memories are literally being in the firehouse, being thrown in the front of the uh, cab Ford heavy rescue seven and, and running calls with my dad. So um, I, I don't think I had a choice. I, tr- <laughs> I tried. I was in Teach for America uh, between college and getting hired as a career firefighter. And I was a public school teacher in D.C., Washington, D.C. And uh, so I, I wanted to know, you know, it, am I a firefighter because of my family? because that's, you know, that's what I was exposed to or, or was I, was I truly meant to be one? And I found out pretty quick. I, uh, I needed to be a firefighter for life. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned your dad was a firefighter. Yeah. With Ocean City. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a gold badge member. My grandfather was a a firefighter. My my grandfather did 50 years. I think my dad did 40 40 some before he became what the gold badge was just kind of like the coffee club, you know, they're, okay. uh, they're the guys that show up at the firehouse and they know everything about the department and kind of guide the young guys along managing okay. the, uh, the department and that kind of stuff. So. Okay. So you're a third generation pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yep. Uh, what, what, uh, what ranks, what was the highest ranks that both of them held? So my, Pop-Pop was the captain of the snorkel. Um, he was at his highest rank was captain. My dad served as uh, uh, on the administrative side, the president, I think a couple times, and he was an assistant chief. But he uh, retired as the career deputy chief of the Ocean City Fire Department as the uh, chief fire marshal and okay. bomb technician and all that stuff. So um, that, that that department's combined. When I grew up, growing up, the uh, – there was an Ocean City Fire EMS that was a career side that was mainly responsible for delivery EMS service, but they also got the rigs out. Uh, it, it was, as a kid, I didn't know any different other than the color of their helmets. Their helmets were blue and the Ocean City volunteers were yellow. But um, now they're emerged one whole department, kind of like a comp, small combination system. Okay. And uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Pretty wild stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm losing my train of thought. So how so how did how did you find the department that you're at now? Like, what what was that process like? So in, uh, you know, my junior year of, college, of high school, I started looking at colleges and I applied to a few. Um, the idea being, I wanted to do a fire science degree, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> got accepted to Eastern Kentucky. 
think I applied to Oklahoma State. I don't know. I can't remember if I was accepted or not. But um, Montgomery County, Maryland, had this huge live-in program at the time. Uh, every every firehouse there were not there were nineteen volunteer what they call them corporations, but departments in Montgomery County. And uh, at the time, any any bunk space in that county was occupied with somebody that was going to Montgomery College in Rockville and volunteering, living in the firehouse. So um, I did a tour in uh, late 91 or early 92. Um, and I got placed at a firehouse that had, uh, literally it was the only place there was availability, uh, Fire Station 28 in Gaithersburg, which was a satellite station of the Gaithersburg Firehouse. And it was me and another guy who ended up being, um, he's a captain uh, in Chesterfield County, Virginia now, Trip Georgell. Uh, it was he and I. So in, in 90, fall of 92, I moved in. End of the summer there, I moved in and I uh, started college at Montgomery College and I was a college living in. And I, you know, I was, if I wasn't in at school, I was at the firehouse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I called, uh, it was kind of cool because there's uh, Montgomery County is a three shift configuration of 2448 ABC shift. There is a D shift that stay work, but uh I caught all five, all three shifts fires. It was awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so that just goes to show how far back, uh, and this is no uh, 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 shot at age, but it just shows how far back live-in programs have been, have been developed in Maryland and still currently go on to this day that benefit yeah. both department and the members of that department. Yeah, it was the best thing I ever did. Um, you know, you look back on your, your life and you're like, yeah, and I, I, there's things I wish I had tried. Like I, I wish I'd tried living on campus at Maryland because I, I got my degree at MC and transferred to Maryland and, and, uh, got a sociology degree. Um, but, uh, I didn't live on campus. And, uh, so, so, you know, into living in the firehouse and then eventually I moved off campus. Um, but, Living in the firehouse, best experience. Uh, it's definitely how I became a man. Um, you know, I had, so the three shifts at the firehouse I lived at, uh, the first A shift was, they were kind of, um, you know, the the sergeant at the time there now, you know, I have captains in charge. Um, he was kind of like the, uh, he, he by the book guy, mm -hmm. um, kind of kept me out of trouble. Uh, B shift was the kind of the aggressive guys, kind of the in-between. They were, um, you know, work hard, play hard shift. And then C shift was like out of control. It was, it was the biggest cast of characters that you, when I was, you know, I, I, I wouldn't sleep in, sleep in, you, but if you wanted to sleep in when C shift was coming in, you couldn't, it was so loud. Okay. Those guys were like larger than life. Um, one of the guys, Chuck Pemberton, he, he was a big Harley guy. So he turned me on to motorcycles and, and he used to cut my hair in the tool shop at station 28. I remember I came home, uh, so I used to do my summers in Ocean City and live in the firehouse at 74th Street and worked. I worked for seasonal EMS and seasonal police down there. I remember coming back one year with a rat tail and a Chuck, Chuck's like, hair. Like, we had to trim your hair off. And I thought he was going to leave the rat tail because he had one. He had like a biker rat tail with the braid and everything. Okay. And uh, he, <laughs> the first thing he did was cut that thing off. I was, so, I was so pissed, but it was, you know, again, these guys were like my dads. I mean, they literally looked after me like they were either my big brother or my father. And um, kept me kept me out of trouble. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so back then, uh, when you did the the living program, was it just you and a driver, or was it just like what was your engine company setup? Was it three, four, or just two? So it was three career, and then the fourth. So there were four seats, and uh, it was a C grade, um, okay. a, a, a late eighties, eighty six C grade, and uh, 
or is it 89 that we had a, I think it was an 86 when I first got there and then they got an 89. But anyway, um, I, I basically, I would leave my gear in that fourth spot because uh, I'd, I'd get up in the morning, you know, there was calls, I'd run calls, I'd go to school for, you know, the day, day part, the part of the day that I had school and then I'd come back and uh, there, you know, usually my gear stayed on the rig and I just rode fourth. It was kind of nice because I didn't have a responsibility whether I was there or not, the rig got out fully career, fully stacked. And okay. there was an EMS unit there too. And I didn't have any uh, very limited interaction with the EMS unit. Okay. Um, those guys liked having the fourth person and they trained me the way they wanted me to, to operate, which was to back up. You know, I, I was the layout guy, but uh, I was quick because I was young and fast <laughs> and I would yeah. lay out and sprint up the street and uh, I'd be right there behind the nozzle firefighter. And a lot of times the nozzle firefighter would, would hand me the line would hand me the knob um, or they weren't ready. And I was, and uh, it wasn't like uh, there was no part, there was no um, like personality issues at the front door about it. Uh, it was almost like they were uh, mentoring me along. So they were almost happy to, you know, show me, Hey, you know, I, I always had somebody right there with me uh, showing me the way. And, and it was nice because I, I was free to come and go. Um, so I, I, I very rarely missed school. I actually did well in school. Okay. And I uh, took it very seriously because, you know, it wasn't that expensive back then, but every, you know, it's all relative. It was, um, you know, it was like 15 or $1,600 a semester, but still that was out of my pocket. So okay, took it very seriously. Okay. So at what point did you figure out, Hey, I can, I can do this career wise and, and choose. And how did you choose Montgomery? So I, you know, I knew the Montgomery system very well. I knew, I knew everybody. Um, the uh, it was kind of funny. A couple a couple of the folks uh, that were at Gaithersburg, um, uh, Steve Lohr and uh, Roger Strock, they both ended up being chiefs of the department. And Roger Strock was the chief when I when I started uh, okay. as a career firefighter, and he had been a school teacher. So we had that that kind of bond, and I already knew him. So anyway, I knew all the players. So when I graduated from Maryland in, in the spring of '98 with a sociology degree. Uh, at the time, uh, you know, just going back in computers, right? The MS DOS type okay. computer stuff. Yeah. There yeah. was internet, and there was a thing called a listserv. And um, I wasn't. I knew I could. I knew I could have been had a job with the Ocean City Police Department. I was in my. I'd done. I'd done three seasons down there as a seasonal police officer, and I'd basically been offered the job by uh, at the time the patrol commander, uh, Captain Parker. Uh, I remember him walking the boardwalk with me one night and kind of offered me the job. And okay. uh, but I, I. I was too friendly. Uh, they called me officer friendly down there. Like I was, um, I was too friendly to be a police officer. Like I didn't, <laughs> I, 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 when things, when things got real, you know, I acted and uh -huh. I actually got a gun off the street down there. I, 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 I nabbed a couple of uh, juvenile fugitives that escaped from a detention facility in Baltimore. Like I got these, you know, excellent pro police performance citations. So I, I, I was good. Um, I was never a, a stat producer, but I always fell into stuff down there. Okay. But I, I knew I didn't want to be a police officer. Um, I knew I wanted to be a firefighter. So, um, but basically, uh, I was I had been on this list serve, and I saw this uh, Teach for America. And I'm like, hmm. You know, I'd always admired my teachers growing up, and uh, thought that was kind of neat. You know, always always been had that thing where I like I like to teach, I like to learn, I like to be on both sides of it. So. I applied and it was this arduous process. Uh, you know, it was an application and then we had to go for this uh, day long interview and they put us in a, in a scenario room where we had to control the unruly classroom. This was all at Georgetown University. And I'm there 
everybody, I'm telling you, everybody around me were, were Ivy League kids. The Teach for America was a program founded by this woman, Wendy Kopp. She wrote a thesis. I think she was at, um, I can't remember what school she, she wrote her senior thesis on, on the idea of Teach for America. Okay. And it, the idea was to take people who weren't, didn't have education degrees and put them in the education system and uh, under, 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 emergency, under emergency credentials in school systems where, where they needed teachers. So went through this process and I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't fit in. These are all like really, these are, these are going to be the future leaders of this country in, in both in private and public sector. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a firefighter. <laughs> and uh, somehow it, somehow I got picked. I got chosen out of uh, 6,000 people, 600 of us got chosen. And I did a summer in 98. I did a, a summer teaching institute in Houston, Texas. It was a six-week program where we taught in school and we learned how to be teachers. Okay. And then uh, ended up getting placed in D.C. And I was a D.C. public school teacher. Uh, 98, 99 school year, I was under an emergency credential. And I was in grad school at night. And once I got 15 graduate credits, I applied and, and became a credentialed teacher. So I, I was actually a certified teacher in D.C. public when I when I got hired in the fire department in the fall of 99. OK, uh, <laughs> that's kind of. Yeah, I mean, you got you're doing firefighting and teaching kind of, you know. Yeah. Hand in hand. So, OK, uh, credits to you, because we all know teachers don't get enough credit, especially nowadays for what they do and the amount of the less significant amount of pay that we, you know, that they deserve. So thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah. That was the hardest job I've ever had. I, bet. Job I ever had was a DC public school teacher. I, I was bet. a, um, I was a, a gym teacher basically, but I, I didn't have a physical environment to do gym. So I did a lot of health stuff and I also covered for teachers that were out. I was kind of like a resource teacher. I didn't have my own classroom. But I was at this school called John F. Cook Elementary, which was in a unit block of P Street in Shaw, Northwest D.C. Um, and it was, you know, uh, 100% um, free lunch. You know, a lot of my kids I saw in the summer, they, there was this uh, so so others might eat um, food kitchen, and at, and at night I'd see my kids in line there, and it was very, um, yeah, it was uh, it was tough because you know you 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 were teaching kids that didn't have a lot, and mm -hmm. um, and it and it wasn't their parents' fault, man. Um, and a lot of their parents were hustling. So, uh, they were busy working, trying to make ends meet. And a lot of times the kids were home at night with nobody because it's not because their parents didn't care for them because right. their parents were really, really fun, you know, busting their ass to make sure these kids had what they needed. And, uh, so you ended up being kind of like a, uh, you know, a, a, a parenting figure. Like, like a step parent. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, I cried like a baby when I left, um, the, the toughest kid in school, Jamal Crippen, he was a second grader when I left. Uh, I mean, tough, like tough. He was about to go into an alternate program, um, but his mom lived in the neighborhood. And uh, like, I remember carrying him like he was, you know, nobody could touch him. He was, he was a tough kid. And I remember carrying him. We we're both crying. And uh, it was tough to leave that. And, and thankfully, I was a resource teacher. So I didn't have I didn't abandon a classroom. Mm -hmm. But my principal, Vivian L. Harrison, she was uh, tough as nails smoked cigarettes in her office in the school. Um, <laughs> there were two pay periods where we didn't get paid and she was in with the uh, DC public schools headquarters. So she would call me on the intercom, Velani, Velani, come on down here. And I'd, I'd load, I'd drive her in her Cadillac down to 825 North Capitol street. And she'd go in and she got blank checks that said DCPS and wrote, wrote our, wrote us checks. So we didn't miss our money. This woman was amazing. 
Okay. Uh, I could I could tell hours and hours of story uh, stories of John F. Cook Elementary and how just awesome that experience was. But it was the toughest job I ever had. Okay. By far. All right. So let's fast forward to you, you get uh, you uh, graduate the academy uh, for Montgomery County. Where was your first assignment? So I was a rookie at Station Two in Tacoma Park on on a shift and um, got there. And there was a transition in, in leadership there. So uh, the captain that was there when I first got there left. Then I got a new captain, this guy Freddie Probst, call him Fast Freddie. And uh, he was awesome, huge buff. So I've been a buff my entire life. Um, okay. at Ocean City. So if you look ge uh, geographically, Ocean City and New York kind of line up. If you shoot a line across the water, so in the winter especially. Uh, we we would be able to pick up FDNY on our scanner at the 74th Street Firehouse. We had an antenna on a pole there. And uh, so I've been a buff my whole life, and Freddie was a huge buff. So it was kind of cool. Um, the firefighters there were incredible. Um, again, a lot of them really kind of took me under my wing, uh, took me under their wing, I should say. Because um, even though I had, you know, had a college career, I was a, I was a grown man. Um, you know, I was a public school teacher. I was still a little wild. Um and uh, those guys kind of kept me in check and uh, taught me, you know, taught me the career firefighter way. And uh, it was cool, man. I had a really great experience down there. Um, actually, one of the guys who was a firefighter down there is a battalion chief with me you know, on my shift. Uh, he's a senior battalion chief, Steve Mann. And uh, he was a firefighter down there. It was kind of neat. Like, we, I started my career with Steve, and now I work alongside him as a battalion chief. It's pretty awesome. It's, pretty, okay. it's a pretty big honor. Yeah, no, that works hand in hand. I mean, you you pretty much had a mentor who now you get to work alongside with him, who taught you a lot of things that you know now. So not not that many yeah. people can say that. Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. it's, it's pretty awesome. Okay. Um, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Mo Montgomery County Fire Department size, personnel, things of that nature? Yeah, we're the uh, we're the largest combination system in the country. Um, uh, if you count our career and volunteer numbers together. Prince George's is neck and neck. I, Prince George's could argue they are the largest. I think they have, uh, they have more volunteer participation than we do these days. But um, very large uh, combination system that sits on the top of the nation's capital. We're bordered by Prince George's County, Washington, D.C., Fairfax, uh, across the river, uh, Frederick County, Carroll County, Howard County. Um, so we we have uh, we go from like really dense urban area right on the top of D.C. and Silver Spring and Bethesda and Tacoma Park to uh, like extremely rural areas or, or up, up county areas that border um, Frederick, uh, Carroll and Howard are rural areas. And uh, part of my battalion is actually the rural area that extends into Howard County where we actually have tankers, water tankers, you know, that uh, we rely on for water supply and that kind of okay. stuff. So we, it's a neat, neat place. You could do anything in this department. Um, they have one of the, one of the 28 federal urban search and rescue teams. I was on that team for nine years as a communication specialist um they have a the technical rescue team a water rescue team a hazmat team um uh fire and explosives investigate investigations you can do that you can become a bomb tech and an arson investigator it's it's an it's an amazing organization and uh not unlike a lot of departments these days there are a lot of moving parts to it but but there have been a lot of moving parts to that department since i started there in 1992 as a volunteer so it's, it's pretty wild okay uh how many fire stations so um there are 37 and uh, there are 19 volunteer corporations. So, you know, it started with Station 1 Silver Spring was the first volunteer department in, in that county. Um, 1815, I think, was when they when they formed. 
stretch and hose since 1815. It's a, their logo. I was a captain at one engine for a little while. Okay. Um, and then, you know, went out and, uh, so there's, uh, 19 volunteer corporation, like Silver Spring had uh, station one, 16, uh, 19, uh, you know, so some of the volunteer fire companies or, or corporations had more than one firehouse. And we built uh, several career only standing freestanding firehouses since I've got on the job. And yeah, we're at 37. We're about to build our, we're about to open our 38th. Well, I guess it'll still be 37. They're about to transition to a firehouse from a temporary space. And then we'll open our 38th in the next couple of years. Okay. So pretty, pretty okay. big. Okay. Uh, number of engines to ladders? 37 engine companies, 16 ladder companies. Okay. And rescues? Uh, five rescue, five rescue squads. Five rescues. Okay. So actual mm -hmm. squad companies that do extrication, high angle, low angle, all that good jazz. Yeah. And, and our tiller trucks are extrication trucks. So they have, uh, they have all the equipment, but like the heaviest, the, the heavy rescue equipment. So they okay. have uh, ropes, ropes, tools, all that stuff. Okay. Uh, ALS and BLS providers. Yeah. So our, uh, we have a, uh, a, um, a tiered EMS delivery system where we have, uh, BLS ambulances. We have, we still have a few remaining medic units that have a paramedic and an EMT on that transport unit. And then our engine companies all have their fourth. When we got four person staff and we, we justified it by putting a paramedic firefighter on that engine company. So all of our engine mm. companies have a fourth and that fourth is actually a paramedic. And then we also have chase cars. So we have chase cars with a paramedic in them. So our, our tier DMS delivery system gets the fastest, the, the closest help there first, and then the then the most appropriate help uh, gets there when they get there. Yesterday, I had a choking across the street from the firehouse, and everybody was out. We hit the we hit what what's called like a critical phase of uh, of units committed. We were close. To, I think we we're close to like forty units, forty EMS units committed, and uh, nobody's in in quarters. And they popped out a six month old choking across the street. And I shot over there, and because. Uh, companies had freed up or whatever. I ended up there, there with arriving there at the same time. Two engine companies happened to be just in the area okay. and uh, their paramedics got in there and I got to witness them um, literally save this kid's life, blood everywhere. It was a mess. Um, she had swallowed a little, uh, a little uh, butterfly clip on her hair um. and they, and they got it out. Uh, it was, it was one of, you know, she was in bad shape and uh, they, in the back of the EMS unit, they, they, the paramedics were working with the, the, you know, I guess the forceps or whatever. Uh -huh. And then they flipped her over, back blows and pop, it came out. And uh, I remember, you know, it, I opened the back of the EMS you know, unit and she's standing on the cot, like looking around, like, you know, what are you all, what are you all doing here? You know? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, no, uh, awesome so the story. EMS, yeah. The tier, tier EMS uh, delivery system works really well. I think okay. uh, the citizens of Montgomery, Montgomery County are very fortunate because uh, there's seemingly, there's always somebody's close. If it's not a transport unit, um, you know, it's a, a, a engine company or, or a ladder company or a heavy rescue squad or like yesterday, you know, uh, I, I could have been the first one on the scene. Okay. Um, I don't typically run EMS runs, but I see a six month old uh, ALS two choking, which means, hey, she's in bad shape. Uh, God, I, I didn't even put myself on the call. I just shot over there. <laughs> Understood. And, uh, no, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Okay. Well, so so your engines don't go below four. Uh, what about your ladders? <clears throat> there the ladders and rescue squads are three and uh you know i think the the long-term plan forever has been to get every everybody with four-person staffing um but priorities have other priorities have popped up we've gotten more transport units on the street 
Um, you know, we have a, uh, like every other career department in the nation right now, you know, we're getting younger and younger and the turnover's high, not, not because people are up, you know, up and leaving because they're retiring. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're retiring after 20, 25, 30 years. And, uh, we're, we are barely keeping up with the, uh, attrition rate in our department because people are retiring and we're, we're adding positions because we're, we're a growing, uh, growing organization. Okay. Um, and if somebody decides to join Montgomery County, how long is uh, the the academy for? Uh, I think it's I think it's six months now. Tw- okay. Twenty six weeks. Twenty six weeks. Whatever okay. that whatever that works out to be. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and it's uh, you know they so there also we also have a previous previously trained uh, class that's twelve weeks. So if, if they get enough people that have all that fire one fire two national registered EMT. Um, hazmat, you know, a couple other classes that are required. We put them through an abbreviated recruit school. Okay. And all of those folks in that class are, and there might be paramedics mixed in there and all the, what they do with the paramedics. Um, if they're already credentialed paramedics is they just run them through the Montgomery County program and they become a Montgomery County medic. So uh, okay. the next recruit class going in is a regular recruit class. So it's, it's it would be a mix of people who probably have previous training and some who don't know anything from the fire service at all. Okay. Understood. All right. Yeah. And what does Montgomery County typically drop on a residential structure fire? Uh, five engines, two, two ladder trucks, a heavy rescue squad, two battalion chiefs and an EMS unit. Um, we up that to three ladder trucks for a high rise. We up that to six engines for a rural assignment. The six engine becomes a fill site uh, engine. So they, they go to the fill site and get that set up so we can start the tanker shuttle. So mm-hmm. five, five engines is a lot. The fifth engine is a rapid intervention company. Um, and again, because everything's other than our, in our ultra rural areas, everybody's pretty close. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, 80% of the time I'd say I'm pulling up on an incident scene and uh, at least one or two engines and, and one ladder truck are there. And by the time I get my, you know, get my head together with command, start assigning units, almost everybody's there. It's pretty wild. Okay. Uh, and, my, and my last question towards the way Montgomery does it, what kind of um, incident command system do you use? So we, well, we're uh, like basically the, the ICS. So we're, we're, um, we don't use blue card or anything like that. Literally, okay. uh, you know, there's an, an, an initial tactical command, uh, which is uh, usually the first two engine officer. Okay. So they'll do an incident, an uh, initial on-scene report, uh, do a lap, do a, uh, a, uh, what they call a SIR, a supplement unit, supplementary unit report. And then uh, by then, usually the battalion chief's getting on the scene. Um, they assume command from tactical command, establish a command post, and uh, we run them from the car, inside the car. And the, the idea behind that is we uh, we like to have that quiet environment, that sterile environment, so that uh, we don't miss anything on the radio. And we're able to uh, you know track units. We have a thing we look, put over our wheel. It's called a wheel desk. And uh, our command chart's right there. So I'm wrapping the mic, writing things down. And then the second chief gets in there uh, and builds out the command team. And they'll they'll take over the chart. And I'll stay on the radio and, and run, the, run the fire ground. Okay. All right. Um, so at what point in your career did you decide, like, hey, I am, I'm going to attempt to move up to the two front seats? Or, you know, if you went to that right front seat? Yeah. So uh, I went to a. Uh, so I did, you know, I did my rookie time at, at Tacoma Park. Then I went to Kensington Station 21, which is actually my battalion. Okay. Um, had a, uh, a 
awesome uh, opportunity there to rescue a four-month-old infant from a burning basement. We, we both got burned. They flew her. Um, thankfully, she survived. I, I, I was burned on my back. Um, so I did 21, and then I went to uh, everybody in my recruit class. Back then, our communications was fully uniform. Okay. And they were short people. So everybody in my recruit class had to take the, uh, the easy, the communications test. And I passed it. If you passed it, you ended up going there at some point. So I went there from station 21 in Kensington, did two years and four months. They came out and went to station 31. When I was at 31, uh, a guy, Justin Meyer there was preparing for the lieutenant's exam and kind of convinced me that I should take it. And uh, so he and I studied uh, together in the firehouse and then obviously separately at home. And, uh, took it seriously and got promoted. <laughs> okay. So yeah. you, you are allowed to skip uh, certain ranks in, in Montgomery? Yeah. So uh, it goes uh, firefighter, master firefighter, which is your driver. And also they can act as a unit officer at EB and then Lieutenant captain, battalion chief, assistant chief, division chief, fire chief. But um, so I was a master firefighter for uh, just under nine months. I, I was a, a truck, a tiller truck driver down in, in downtown Bethesda. And uh, it was cool because the captain there was uh, at the time was off. Um, he was bumped up as a battalion chief. So I got to ride the front seat of the engine and ladder company quite a bit if I wasn't driving or tilling. So it was pretty cool. Okay. Okay. Um, is it true? Is that one of the best spots in oh, fire man. service? Tilling and thrilling? Tillerman. Oh, it's, oh, it's the best, man. If, if we had more people, it'd be better. But, you know, you get off and, and you automatically have a million tasks to do. And uh, it's a lot of independent work. Um, right. You know, sometimes you're with the with the company officer, and sometimes you're not. Um, to, you know, the idea is you get there, the truck driver's doing outside duties, you're going in with the officer doing searches and that kind of stuff. That's typically the way it goes, but you're not usually stacked one behind the other. Usually, in there, you know, kind of dividing and conquering because of the staffing. But um, but yeah, it was the coolest job, man. <laughs> I love pillar. I'm I mean, so glad I got the opportunity to do it, you know, right. because you can go through your career and miss it. Right. Um, I never was a heavy rescue squad driver. Uh, okay. I was never even a straight truck driver certified. I was at home in Ocean City, but I was I was never a straight truck driver in Montgomery County, but I was a tiller, a tiller truck driver. But that goes to show your 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 trucks, your tillers are just riding three, driver, officer, and firefighter. That is a yeah. lot of work for different oh, moving man. parts to do. It's, it, you, you usually it's it's one of those things that kind of it helps I think it helps develop good officers because you really have to hop off and and immediately decide what you need to do the most what needs to be done the most because right. you, you know there's a hundred duties you've got to get done and uh, you know usually obviously it's 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 a uh, forcing entry and, and searching for the uh, tiller for the tiller person but um, you know sometimes it's not sometimes it's hey they, they're they're doing lines over ladders you got to get ladders to the rear or, or you know, a mil you got to get to the roof or, or whatever, you know, if you're the second truck, you know, the duties change a little bit, but, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's like nonstop that, that position, uh, you know, truck, truck driver or, or th the third on the truck or the tiller person, uh, it's a nonstop work job. Same with the heavy rescue squad. They're just hustling. I mean, just as fast as you can go. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, now with being a, 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 battalion chief now um my question to you is how do you how do you make sure communication within your battalion goes smooth because you know as they say you know as you climb up in the ranks you start to lose information because you're not quote unquote one of the guys you're by yourself yeah. you're on the rigs 
So how do you, how do you, with your battalion, make sure communication stays paramount? So um, I'm kind of an un- unconventional chief. Uh, I, I don't spend a lot of time in the office. I'm either uh, out and about or at the kitchen table with the, with the guys at my fire, the, the fire, the battalion firehouse on that, which is uh station 25 in Aspen, Aspen Hill. It's a big firehouse. There's uh two EMS units, of EMS chase car, an engine and a ladder truck there. And they're, those folks are also responsible for technical rescue, water and hazmat response. So it's a busy, okay. busy, busy firehouse, but it's uh, there's a bunch of young guns there because the, they, they take a shellac and all those EMS units, those things are caught. Con- they're nonstop busy. Like mm-hmm. they're out, they're probably out today. They probably left for their first call this morning, right after lineup, if not before, and they might not get back until after dinner, just oh. back to back to back to back to back calls. So it's a, that, that person, that part's a really young, a really young firefighters game. And uh, I like it because I'm, I'm, a, I'm stationed at a firehouse with a bunch of young folks okay. and uh, they're all into the job. They're, they're, you know, talking about tactics. I walked out uh, yesterday, I walked out into the Bay and one of the guys is, is uh, in gear practice and just uh, he's trying to work on getting uh, doing that helmet trick where you drop the helmet on your sleeve to get your mask up. And, okay. and he, he was just working on it. He was like, yeah, you know, I, I, he, he, he had been uh, either driving the engine or riding the EMS unit so much. He hadn't, he hadn't ridden the line in a while. He's like, man, I just wanted to come out here and, and tighten it up. So you, you're, these guys are always training, doing something. And uh, they're always talking about the job. You know, um, you, know you, you know how the firehouse is. You end up talking about a million other things. I, I talk mm-hmm. about my kids a lot. Um, being, a, being almost 50 years old and having a six-year-old, my, my daughter just turned six today. And then my littlest daughter <clears throat> just uh, turned three right before Christmas. But being an almost 50-year-old man with young kids, um, you know, I, I, it's, the, it's been the joy of my life to be a father. And uh, so if I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about the job. And uh, I'm out and about. My, my, my folks know uh, uh, they can call me anytime, uh, 24-7, 365, not just on duty. And, uh, I, t- I talk to them, I, you know, when they, when I come in the firehouse, they, they, I think we've got to the point now where they don't, they don't necessarily change what they're doing. Okay. They know I'm, they know I'm there to visit and support them. I'm not there to, you're not you know, there to, to be the old, to old watch here. Oh shit. We need to tighten yep. it up, put our, yep. you know, put our, t- tighten up our, you know, button up our uniform shirts and make sure we're looking like, looking like we're doing something. My folks are always doing something. Um, they're, uh, they engage me in, in conversation. Um, you know, I learn. I, I like to. I like to stay on top, not because I'm nosy, but I like to stay on top of what's going on off duty with a lot of my folks, just because. Um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, in the in the the thing I wrote you, um, you know, mental health is huge, and I I, I really, truly embrace that mental health aspect of the job. So uh, I think because I'm so accessible, and uh, my folks know, like, you know, if I'm not in their firehouse, I, I don't go to every firehouse every shift because I I. I that's that whole, you know, I, I, I know they're doing the right thing. They don't need me up there, but all the time, but I'm, I'm trying to be omnipresent to them so, and accessible so that, uh, that there's never an issue with communications. I, I usually know it. Um, I know, I know everything ahead of time because they're hitting me up about it. Okay. And uh, even from personnel issues to apparatus issues to, Hey, we want to do this or that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the yes chief. I say yes to everything before I say no. Um, and I try to try to facilitate everything they need to do to, to set them up for success. So, uh, and that, that's, that's the, uh, the set. So the first joy in my life is being a parent, a husband. The second joy in my life is being a battalion chief, um, being able to support these, uh, you know, almost 70 folks in my battalion. It's a lot of people under your command, 70 people. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> since you already kind of hit on it, let, let, we can roll right into it. You you did state before we started that that uh, uh, the mental health topic was big to you, so I, I'm gonna let you have the floor on it. Yeah, so I was I was talking to uh, our training academy captain who I worked with. I, I was the training academy captain for uh, in charge of recruit training for two years, uh, right right after I got promoted to captain. And uh, he he was uh, visited yesterday at the firehouse, and uh, we were talking, and uh, you know, I was telling him the same thing I told you. I, I never thought I'd be uh, as a battalion chief. I, I feel like I'm more of a social worker, mentor, and peer counselor than I am anything. And uh, just since I've been a battalion chief, I've had five guys either call me or somebody call me and say, hey, such and such uh, is thinking about ending their life. And uh, the, the, the gravity, that's pretty huge. Um, mm -hmm. I had exposure as a lieutenant. One of my, uh, I was at a, a busy firehouse in Rockville where he had two day work lieutenants. I was one of them. And the other one was going through a pretty rough time. And I was, uh, we, we had to kind of figure it out how to get him help. And since then, uh, folks in my department know, um, even though we have a very good peer counseling program, a very good, um, we have a staff therapist, we have, um, we have folks that are there to help, uh, for, with SISM and that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, you know, we need somebody right away and they know if they call me, uh, I pick the phone up. And, um, so four times in the past a little under two years, I've either had somebody at the house. Um, the last one, last one I helped out, the had him over for breakfast. He was afraid to call the centers, you know? Um, and, uh, we, we had breakfast and then went out to my, he shed and he called the centers and scheduled his intake. Um, so I take it that seriously because, you know, somebody I, I'm, I'm so proud of these folks that come to me or come to somebody mm -hmm. on the job. And, and let's talk nationwide. Like if you're watching this and you're going through something or, you know, somebody's going through something, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I'm proud of you for, you got to, it's the toughest thing to admit that you're going through something. And I right. think when somebody says, Hey, I want to end it. Um, they're, they're, they're calling for help. And that, that's up there. When they're calling for help, they're calling you mm -hmm. and that you being my, you know, that's how I feel. And, uh, I, you know, I take my, my wife is very supportive of that because, uh, my, my phone is hardly ever not ringing either for my battalion folks. Uh, I'm involved in our communications, uh, the technology side of our department that's you know in meetings on phone you know we got a mission tomorrow with our uh, communications interoperability group that i that i help run um there's always non-stop so uh my, my wife's very supportive of it, but she's most supportive of uh me fielding those calls and helping get these folks the help they need okay and i mean yeah you definitely got to take it seriously because you know you hear so many people say hey you know if you ever need me call me and then that one time that person calls you and they, you know, they divulge all their information. It's like, what are you going to do with that? Because it gets real and that line will get real quiet if somebody calls and you're like, hey, what's up? And let's just say I'm calling you and I say, hey, uh, I, I, I'm in my backyard with, with, a, with, you know, with a weapon in my hand. I'm ready to to be done with this. Like, that's a lot. You know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people say, oh, I'll be there for you, but. What are you going to do if you get that call from that person? Yeah, boom, it's on, man. It's on. And, and you know, knowing, yeah. uh, you know, how the fire service is, everybody knows everybody and, and having everybody in your phone and having the report to, you know, when there are people that I call and talk to often. And there are people who, when I call them, they know, oh, shit, something's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're picking up. And when most recently I, I was at ballet um, class with my, with my, my now six year old. 
I got a phone call. Uh, one of one of my guys, not in my battalion, but he was one of my guys when I was a captain, uh, was going through a, a really rough time. And uh, thankfully, he reached out to our sober group. I have a, a I celebrate celebrated two years of sobriety back on the eighth of January. Um, not I, I, I look. I was an alcoholic for I or am an alcoholic, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. I didn't go through a twelve step program. Um, I basically I read a book called The Naked Mind. And I uh, decided that, yeah, I don't need alcohol in my life anymore. I don't want my kids to see me uh, drinking all the time when I'm at home and that kind of stuff. There's not even any alcohol in our house now. My wife barely drinks. So if she needs a drink, uh, she goes, you know, I watch the kids and she goes, picks up dinner, sits at the bar, has a few. Um, <laughs> but uh, our sober group, um, we, we have a sober text group. It's a bunch of us. Okay. And one of, our, one of our guys reached out. I'm at ballet practice. What do I do? Well, thankfully, one of the guys lived, you know, not 15 minutes from him. So we, we developed, we jumped right in. One guy went to him. Another guy's making phone calls to the centers. Another guy's making phone calls to another place that we ended up getting getting him into in Florida. And the next day we had him on a plane to get help. And uh, that's what's up, man. It happens yeah. fast. And, and, it, and you know, the early on, I, I, real, I realized right away, the first guy I helped uh, that I, you can't do it alone. And, and, and people want to help, you know. And, uh, I have my go-tos. I know I, there are people, uh, somebody calls with a certain thing. I know there are people I know I can call and get the ball rolling immediately, whether it's the department doing it or it's, uh, it's done, you know, not clandestinely, but done, you know, done grassroots by folks that care for these folks. Um, you know, we, we get, we get the ball rolling right away and get them help because you know what happens if you don't. Right. Right. No, I mean, the, the first person to act, the, the, you know, the, the action of acting quick and efficient could be, you know, a difference between, you know, point A and point B with point B being like you having to call people and let them know, Hey, such and such is no longer here with us. So I, I, yeah, hundred percent get it. hundred percent get it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's legit, man. It happens <laughs> when it, when it happens, it happens quick. And, and uh, again, I'm, I couldn't be more proud of the folks that have reached out because um, that's hard, man. It's hard to admit you have a problem. It's hard. It it's even harder to, to admit you need help. No, it, uh, it, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, it, go, it goes along with everything. Now, you know, like it's firemen, we're, 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 we're always first in line, first on scene. The first one's there to help people mitigate their situation. But when it comes to our own, we don't want to let people Except know we're help. struggling. Yeah. Right. It's, it's kind of, it's weird how, how we're wired like that. It's just one of yeah, those. It's things. a very selfless job. It's the most selfless thing I think you can do in life is be a public safety professional, whether it's a police officer, a firefighter, whatever, because you really are. You're you're putting everything of yourself in to help a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I deal with with conflict. If I have two two, you know, uh, at a captain and a firefighter beef and se- se- uh, semi recently, I pulled him in the office and I said, at 0700 when you come in, and you know everybody comes in earlier, but I. I'm, at 0700, when you come in, at 0701, you could be going down the road. At 0705, one of you is pulling the other out of a burning basement to, to try to rescue a complete stranger. If you're willing to do all that for somebody you don't even know, it's just calling 911. We have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to do that, then we got to be tight. You got to put some of this bullshit away and look each other in the face. We're here for the same fucking thing, man. And you got to be, you got to be real about it. And uh, if you're willing to risk all of that, then then this petty bullshit, this conflict that you're having is nothing. It's nothing. 
and we can work through it together. And uh, I had them guys hugging in my office, which, which was great. Well, I mean, you know? it, it, no, it, you're, I, I don't know why it, why we have this issue. I mean, I personally, my belief, I, I believe it goes back to ego and, yeah. you know, yeah. firemen just, and I understand there's different, there's different personalities. You're never going to have like a fire station or a battalion or a crew that everybody's the same type A. That's usually not how it works. But I think if we could just take the time to listen to each other, listen to uh, everybody's different viewpoints at the end of the day, if you can't agree, but just agree to be there for each other. But, you know, we have some guys that will, they will literally hold grudges. Like they say they're there for you, but you know, as soon yeah. as you turn around, the knife is kind of like out ready to, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's real, man. It's, it's, in every, it's in every firehouse and every, every firehouse and every County and state and city in this nation. And it's, it's in real, you know, it's, it's uh, sometimes zapping them back to, to, to reality and being like, we're here for the same thing, man. We've got to, we got to be, if we're willing to do all that for a complete stranger, we got to be willing to work together and, and put our differences aside and, and, you know, look, it, it, think about it. I mean, you're not, you're doing stuff for people, complete strangers that you're not, you never get the, you never get the opportunity to do, thankfully, I guess, right. for your, for your closest family members. And you love those people dearly. You do anything for them. I, you know, I, uh, having a cabin kids, I've never had I've never known love like I have for my two daughters and I never understood it and I had kids late in life you know like I said I'm, I'm 50 I'll be 50 in, in July with a three and six year old I've never known love like that and uh you know I'm never gonna have hopefully I'll never have uh have to put you know they'll never be that person that I have to risk it all for I mean right. I, obviously you gladly do it a hundred times over right but I'm I'm not doing that at home I'm doing that with complete strangers at work. And if you take, if you take a step back and look at it from that perspective, you really gotta, you know, you gotta put it, I felt telling you, you gotta put this other bullshit aside. Life's short and we're together to, to, to run it, you know? Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't have said it any better. And it, and it, and it, <laughs> it helps, it helps more when it comes from, you know, a person of, of, of rank. I mean, not saying yeah. rank is the end all be all, but it, it always feels good when you have a, a, a battalion chief, a person in, leadership position that understands we need to be here for each other. Like put all the bullshit aside. Yeah. It's yeah, just, man. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that could be a whole yeah. other topic that we can go down. Um, I think you really have to, you really have to um, really have to show, show yourself to your people uh, these days to, talking about the mental health thing. Um, I, uh, I go to therapy, I go to therapy, by myself and I go to therapy with my, my wife and I work, you know, it's like, uh, uh, I watched a Steve O's podcast and he said, it's like, um, you know, um, keeping your roof maintained. If you don't keep your roof maintained, eventually your roof's going to come in. Mm -hmm. So I, I view that with my, my wife and I view it kind of that way. And, and that we, we're, we don't have problems, but we go to a therapist to make sure that when we do have problems, we can, we, we, we have the tools to work through them. Okay. Um, I think it's the same thing with therapy. Like therapy helps you work through the, the tough stuff at work. Um, and I share with my guys, everybody in my battalion, probably everybody in that department knows, um, you know, I'm, I'm medicated. I, I see a therapist and I, uh, I highly, highly, highly uh, support, condone, whatever you want to say, um, mental health, the stuff, the tools that we have out there to tackle, uh, to address mental health. It's huge. 
And it just goes to show you humility because like we were talking about, not many firemen are going to be open to say, Hey, I go to therapy. I, I do take medication. I see yeah. such and such on a regular basis to keep, because the things we see, I, I don't care. Like, you know, you know, you probably hear the phrase, I was born for this. Nobody's born to see the stuff that, you know, we're, we're not wired to see that. And it, exactly. me, it, it hits especially hard when with kids, because I used yeah. to be fine as, as a teenager and then a young adult. But once I had my daughter, and any call involving a kid, man, it just changes. It hits different. It changes. It hits man, different. Man, it changes. So. Oh God, it, it's it's it it is a uh, yeah. It is it's the it's the toughest thing to keep yourself together in those situations, man. Mm -hmm. Because you're because yeah, you have again that that love that you have for your kid is just, there's nothing like it. There's right. nothing like it. It's the best drug out there. <laughs> you know, people are like I. I, you know, there are, there are days where I envy my, my friends that don't have kids. You know? <laughs> Same and, here. <laughs> look, man. And I wasn't going to have kids. I wasn't going to, I got married uh, at age 30 for six months. And I was like, nah, I'm not, nah, I can't do this. This is no good. I, I don't want to do this. Okay. And uh, I thought maybe if, my wife was the same way. She thought she was destined to be a cat. We have two cats, but uh, okay. she's, uh, so she's only half a cat woman. But, um, but uh, you know, we both thought we were destined to be single and 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 not have kids that's just who we are we, and then we met each other she was living in LA and uh now we live where live in the neighborhood she grew up in <laughs> okay. okay so but yeah man it's it's uh it's, it's wild and yeah and you gotta yeah and you gotta talk I talk I talk about everything to my folks and and the part of it is just because of who I am it's my personality mm -hmm. but also I think it yields uh you get the return and and when you get that return sometimes you're able to pick those things up like, hey, oh man, you know, you're going through a, a separation or somebody in your family's sick or whatever. They'll talk if they're if I'm if I'm that willing to be open and candid about my life, they're going to be willing to to be open and candid about theirs. And it's not a trick; it's just who I am. And act, and it, and it, and as it as it is, it works out. Not everybody has that personality, and I don't think everybody can go into this job and be as open and transparent as I am. People, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. I'm just very fortunate in that I'm built that way. And uh, I'm I'm so thankful that uh, you know I was raised uh, raised right, um, and and you know, and that I am that open and honest with with everybody, pretty much, because it 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 really helps you to to make sure that you're there when they're when they need you. Absolutely, absolutely. No, well said, well said. Uh, yeah. To, to kind of change topics, what is one particular? topic you like to teach like what is your niche in the fire service that you you will absolutely raise your hand and go i'll i'll, I'll volunteer to teach this um it, it used to be engine company stuff uh when i was when i was a, a, a company officer i really liked engine company stuff i was a, a lieutenant I, I was a lieutenant on on a ladder company in rockville for three years but then i went to a, a silver spring 16 and i was an engine lieutenant there actually my driver when i was there is now one of my captains in my battalion Okay. Pretty awesome. Okay. Um, and man, we were unbeatable. Man, we with Sean, which this guy, he's a captain now, Sean Hall, with him driving, uh, and the crew I had with me, we were on, we were unstoppable, man. It was, it was the best feeling I ever had. And then I was a captain at one engine in downtown Silver Spring for a couple of years. So I really like talk talking about long lines, um, talking about long stretches, uh, measuring your stretches in 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 uh in uh, multifamily dwellings, multi-story dwellings, uh, we had, you know, we had, we had buildings without standpipes that you had to have, you had to know how to either make a well stretch or uh, go out the window with the, with the line that hose up that kind of thing. Um, so I liked that, but I, my, 
my passion is in fire ground communication. So uh, one of the big things I say is, um, and I, I presented this at FDIC back in 2017, mm-hmm. is uh, treat your radio like your SCBA. You okay. know, uh, your radio is your most utilized tool on that fire truck. And uh, you got to treat, you got to do, do a service check on it like you would do with your SCBA. Uh, drill with it. You know, we, we, we do all these company drills and we'll think about it. What's the one thing we don't, we don't we're not, we're not uh, incorporating in those drills, the radio. radio. What's another thing you're not incorporating in these drills, your communication center. So I've done battalion drills with my folks where I've had communications online with us on the training channel and we run through Mayday sequences. What a better way for them to be prepared for the Mayday to, to handle the Mayday on their end and to have buy-in with us. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're out here drilling. We want to include you in that because you're a part of our team. Right. So, so really these days it's communication, fire ground communication. This is like my big thing. I'm the uh, deputy technology section chief for our department. Um, so I do uh, a lot of, I, I, I view my role, not as a, uh, not as a the deputy technology section chief, but more as like the, um, in a supportive role for everybody that's working in the technology section. So like right now we're, uh, we, we lost one of our guys to, uh, to a promotion uh, civilian to a promotion on the police side of things. So uh, I'm doing some of his job right now, uh, working on the phones. Our, our, we have the cell phones in our rigs okay. um, that have a that have a thing called Zello that, that is patched with our radio system. So um, even if our radio system goes down, that Zello, that Zello will still work. But it's an, another way to, to, commu- to be able to communicate. Um, so I'm, I'm a big advocate for that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's communications, man. <laughs> It's the nerd in me. (laughs) I I like what you said because it's, if you think about it, I mean, I'm not saying that there are departments out there that don't do that, but I would, it would probably be a fair assumption to say that there are probably some departments that forget about that getting, because like, I'm sure every department does quarterly training, monthly training, semi-annual training, whatever, where you get a good number of companies on scene and you're going to have a drill that involves a rescue or multiple rescues. But how many times could those departments say, hey, we invited our 911 community, you know, dispatch center down to, hey, this is what we're going to do. Because it's easy to say, like for us at my department, it's it, it was funny because we had a, uh, I don't want to say hot topic, but it was one of those things where a question was asked, hey, if you have a mayday, are you going to hit your emergency button on your radio, which sends us to the emergency channel? Or declare the mayday on the channel that you're assigned on your 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 yeah. your, fi- your fire ground channel, and so it's some guys topic. some guys were on the fence. Some guys were like, "Well, if we switch over, communication might not hear that mayday until afterwards." Where if you do it on the channel, somebody's going to hear it, you know. So it, I like how you incorporate that because, I, I like I said, I'm. It's probably safe to say some departments fail to remember. Crap, we should bring them down here to to see how this plays out yeah just get them on the air you know hey man uh we're going to be on uh our battalion for training talk group they have that talk group on their um on their i think they have them on their consulates they don't have them so they can't select them up on their actual uh on their on their cad on the radio system but they they have the ability to tune in and participate and uh actually fairfax county does a pretty cool thing i think they still do it where they do a, a they do a mayday sequence with their communication center quite frequently and and their guys rotate through uh that training just to keep everybody crisp on it because you know it's like anything else if you're training enough on it you're going to fall back on that training when the when the shit hits the fan absolutely so uh, i think they do a 
pretty awesome thing. There's other departments that do a lot of stuff with communications and, and uh, you know, incorporating it into your, your drill, I think is huge. Okay. It's huge. Okay. Um, my last question for you, and only if you feel comfortable answering, if you don't, it's a hundred percent fine, but you, you mentioned you're a communication person. What are your thoughts on the blue card program? Because some departments use, they incorporate bits and pieces. Some departments take yeah. it all on. What's your opinion? So on? Our, our neighboring jurisdiction, Howard County, they still use some of it. I think that whole on deck, you know, uh-huh. and, and, uh-huh. and yep. uh, assigning you duties as you arrive instead of right. based on an, on an incident response policy matrix or whatever. Um, look, if it, if it works for people, it works for people under the West coast, you, you know, look, those fires still go out and they still make rescues and, and all that stuff, but they do, they do things a little differently. It works for them. I never attended a blue card class. I've never read a book on blue card. I just know Howard County does part of it and it works for them. I live in Howard County. I'm, I'm in Marysville, Maryland right now, sitting talk, talking to you. And I have uh, a Howard County fire rescue protecting my, my home. And uh, they do a great job and, and they, they use elements of the blue card and it works for them. We've just always been that traditional incident command system and it works for us. You know, it's um, so I think if it works for your, your organization, that's great. Um, you know, it's like anything else, man, there's, there's a, a, a million ways to address different issues on our job and uh, they all work. And some, you know, sometimes uh, they work for some departments, they don't work for other departments. And sometimes it just ends up, Oh, we've always been like, uh, you know, our department's always been a forward late apartment, right? Mm-hmm. But look at like Detroit and New York City. They're not a forward late apartment. There's fires still go out and they still make rescues and they're spectacular departments. They just do it a little differently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I, I, I just, I, I like, nope. I like. I got asking. no smoke with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like asking and, and, and hearing and hearing different opinions. On it. I know um, there's people that hate it. They're like, ah, I, you know, oh yeah. I a blue card. And I, right. Look, man. It's hey, if it works for you and you're still going in there and putting the fire out and making making effective rescues and uh, you're still, you know, look, we're still all wired the same. You know, we're just we're, it, it's, uh, you know, it's like different football teams. You know, not everybody's running the same uh, defense or offense. You know, right. I'm a big Ravens fan. Go Ravens. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year, baby. I will <laughs> say I, I am Lamar Jackson, man, the best I, ever. The best, I love that man. I'm from New York, but I will say. That Lamar Jackson, I am a fan, and Dude, I think I think as long as the Ravens keep playing the way they're playing, they're unstoppable. So, but here's my prediction. I know this His, is fire, a fire, fire podcast, but my prediction no, it's is good. it's San Francisco and Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Yeah, man, it's going to be a, either way. It's going to be a good one. There's so and yeah, I, I look ten. Well, let's say fifteen years ago, I didn't know anything from football. I mean, I knew like you know the plays and the. Right. The teams and all that stuff. And I was living in ball. I lived in Baltimore for 13 years and uh, they, be, they may be a, a Ravens fan. And, and sometimes I curse them because, you know, when you lose, you're like so pissed. And I'm like, I cannot believe that I got wrangled in this thing. I made it 40 years of my life without loving football or 35 years of my life without loving football. And now when they lose, like I'm depressed, man, right. I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm right. Bummed out. right. And, uh, and when they're hot like they are right now, man, I, I I'd carry Lamar, I carry Lamar on my shoulders. I never, I've never wavered, man. There's haters out there. There's guys, there's people that love the Ravens that are haters, man. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can you hate? Look, when 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 Lamar Jackson first became the uh, quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, I remember seeing him like he would 
he would pick other team members up off the floor mm-hmm. when they're knocked down mm-hmm. off the, off the uh, off, you know, off the turf. It's like, you never, I never saw that. And it's because he he's that charismatic and he cares that much about people. And, um, and he does it his own way, man. He's like, he's like the Thelonious Monk of football, man. You know, uh, if you know the bebop era jazz and Thelonious Monk, he, he, he did it his own way, man. And it's actually, I was just listening to the Thelonious Monk this morning. It's just, uh, he did it his own way and, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And he caught, he caught so much hate when he was negotiating his contract. I mean, the man knows what he's worth and he's proving to people this is why I did what I did because yes, I'm worth yes. it. He is. So, uh, he is, man. no, but I, I'm with you hundred percent. Go Ravens. If the Ravens win it all, it, I'm, it's not going to, it's not going to mess me up. I'll be happy. Cause, uh, <laughs> anybody but the Patriots. And I don't think we have to worry about that anymore. And anybody but the chiefs, because I cannot stand Mahomes. So I know, man, I want to love him so much though. I want to love him so much, man. And I just, I just, God, uh, and, and I know he and, you know, he and, he and um, Lamar are kind of like, uh, uh, you know, peers as far as age goes and that uh-huh. kind of stuff. And, right. and I'm sure they're tight, but yeah, he and, he and, he and Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. I get it. Um, <sighs> before we uh, part out, is there anything else you want to, um, you, you want to say for anybody listening? No, look, if you're tuning into this, first off, big ups, because that means you, you care about this job enough to, to consume it. I I consume podcast, fire podcasts, uh, and I'll admit it, man, I'm the biggest, biggest buff of the New York. The New York City Fire Department is my uh, is my New York Yankees. If, if somebody was like a diehard Yankees fan, um, you know, I won't compare them to the Ravens. But I really, I, I consume every ounce of that department. I, I You know, I got the Citizen app. Uh, we've got firewire up when I'm in the, when I'm in the, the minute I get in the office at 0500, the first thing I do when I open the windows on my computer to start work is I tune in the all five boroughs scan on a open megahertz, man. I just can't get enough of it. So, and they have a lot of, you know, they're getting salty podcast and mm-hmm. national fire radio and your podcast. And I have friends that have podcasts and I can't get enough of it, man. So if you're tuning into this man, big ups, because it means you care about you care about this job and you love it and and you're like you're like we are you're like Danny is you're like I am we can't get enough of this thing man it's this this job is all consuming and it's not a bad thing you know the whole thing it's okay to love the job it really is okay to love the job and my folks know it um, they probably you know I know uh, they they say I have like a bushy tail you know bushy tail a mile long and it is I admit it and openly admit I'm the biggest fire squirrel you'll ever meet. I cannot get enough of it. There you go. Queens 1075, Fox 9421, bro. <laughs> Fire on the third floor. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just now. Uh, but yeah, man. So if you're if you're watching this stuff, it means you love the job. And and um, you know, uh if you're hey, if you're looking for a job, we're always hiring in Montgomery County. I, I love I love our department. Um, I love what we're doing. We're about to about to get a new fire chief. Um, guy's a brilliant man and uh looking forward to to, to supporting what he has coming uh, for the job but uh yeah man thanks I, I appreciate you so much for having me on man this means so much to me to, to be able to come on here and talk fire talk fire and talk the job with you <laughs> awesome awesome chief like i said I, I appreciate you accepting the invite sir it's been a, it's been a good talk today yeah man yeah man thank you so much <laughs> yes sir stay safe sir <laughs> you too all right if any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, 
and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.